Good morning. Uh, Open your copy of God's Word or in your devices to Luke chapter 24 and verse 13 through 35. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. We're continuing uh, our series through our runways, the strategy for discipling each other or discipling here at Hebron Baptist Church. And we've talked about magnify, we've talked about mature, We've talked about multiply, and today we're going to talk about mentoring others through D-groups. Today we're going to look at the scriptures and see how important it is that God has designed us to have relationships, that we walk one-on-one with close relationships with others to help grow each other in our faith. So let's begin by reading God's word, verse 13 in Luke chapter 24. Now the same day, two of them were on the way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. They, excuse me, then he asked them, what is the dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But they were hoping that he was one who was... But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter to his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave them impression that he was going further. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those with them were gathered together who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your scripture. We're thankful how you ordained and gave us the word that you had spoke through the gospel writers, that you recorded these things just as we needed 
And sufficiently, this scripture is given to us to know all things. And so, Lord, as we come to it, help us to understand its message for us today. Help us to live the truths and help us to grow from these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we know as we have been studying through the scriptures, as Jesus has have, uh, called the first apostles and the first followers of Jesus, that he appeared to them. And what did he say? Follow me. The implication that we know that Jesus called disciples and calls us today that we must follow him faithfully. It is in that idea that Jesus said the best way for you to grow in Christ in the gospel is to follow me and understand what I'm about and to live the same way that I do. And in the same way, Jesus has this master plan from the beginning that these disciples were to then make other disciples. And these disciples were to make other disciples until the end we see across thousands of years across the whole world, we have seen believers come to faith and grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. In this, Jesus knew the most explosive and best way for disciples to be made disciples is that disciples intentionally disciple other people. In the Christian life, disciples making or discipling is just that very thing, is that we're committed to bringing up others in the faith to be following Jesus just like we are. That there is an essence of understanding that we are under the tutelage of someone else, just as the first disciples were under the tutelage of Jesus, and then the disciples to follow the apostles were under them, so too we are to be under the tutelage or guidance of others. This is very similar to a friend of mine who, whose grandfather was a master baker. Uh, those are not positions. They just hand out to anyone. It just it doesn't mean that you can make a cake or that you can put some Betty Crocker into a mixture and make it. No, that is that you are to grow and learn under someone who has much experience, much more than you, and that you spend time at their feet, in their bakery, in their time learning. And over a 10-year period, my friend's grandfather became a master baker because he had learned from this other person. In the same way, we must as Christians understand that we too are to learn from someone else and that we should be engaged in helping someone else to learn to be more like Christ. As a matter of fact, that's probably the best way for us to understand the scriptures or what disciple making is. Mark Dever has a great uh, uh, sort of a definition of what discipling is. Discipling is deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that he or she will be more like Christ. Discipling really is just a bunch of church members taking responsibility to prepare one another for glory. You see, we as disciples, as believers in Jesus, need someone to help us to learn how to pray and to read our Bible, to, to forgive, how to give, how to be patient, how to be merciful. This comes from not just studying the scriptures and knowing those are the commands of, of, of Jesus, but also seeing the spirit at work in the lives of other peoples. And as part of our strategy here at Ebram Baptist Church, we desire that we want to equip every member to both 
be discipled, but also disciple someone else. Why do we think that's vital? Well, one, because it's scriptural. But number two, also, if you are going to disciple someone else, there is an intense desire in you to grow, right? Because if you know you're responsible for someone else, there is something in you that you want to, you want to be faithful to Christ. You want to know the scriptures better. You want to be able to do these things. And there, you, that you show someone else how to follow Jesus. It becomes something that we do, something that we're a part of, a desire, something that, that mo- not just stops with one or two people. But the impact becomes great because once you've discipled two people and those two people have discipled two people and those two people discipled pe- two people, it goes like wildfire. So therefore, in our passage today, we see an event when Jesus met two disciples on the road to Emmaus And in doing so, he revealed himself to confirm his resurrection and to show from the scriptures that what he has said and what he has done is true. Now, at first glance, we read this story and we say, well, pastor, this is just a a one-off. This is just a one-off relationship that Jesus came in and boom, shared a couple things and these people were revealed. Well, no, not if you're reading in context. Because in this, verse 13, it says, now the same day, two of them, okay, if I'm just walking into the scripture and I say two of them, my first question is, who is them? Well, I have to go earlier in chapter 24, and the them that they are talking about are the disciples who had gathered together at the death of Jesus, who are together praying and waiting, and the, the women went to the tomb and found that Jesus was alive. And remember, they go back to the apostles and some of the disciples. There are other disciples there in the room that they report to. And so these are part of the them. (laughs) These are them. These are disciples who have along the way been discipled both by Jesus and by other apostles to follow him. And so as a result, we see of a long relationship that these believers have seen and heard and understood, but we realize that they don't understand everything. And that Jesus reveals to them in a miraculous way the truth of the resurrection. And in this passage, we see the results of Jesus opening the eyes of these disciples and the truth about him in a discipleship relationship. And in this, we see four benefits of a mentoring relationship. So if you're taking notes at home or downstairs in the fellowship hall or here in the room, number one, We need a mentoring relationship because we need Jesus and others to open our eyes. But verse 13 through 18, we are introduced to these two people. We know one of them is Cleopas. Cleopas is also mentioned later on in the scriptures, who we see has, has actually been discipled and is discipling their family. And there's, a, there's another eff, uh, evidence that this person perseveres in the faith. These two believers are walking down the path to Emmaus and Jesus starts to walk along with them. The point of this, I believe, is that Jesus wanted to reveal the truth, the same truth uh, as the empty tomb, that he is alive. But to help them further understanding of the truths about him. It is in this point that we see that we need 
both Jesus and others to help us see things that we don't see very clearly. That we need others that will come alongside us, but ultimately we need Jesus to reveal these things to us. Let me just kind of answer that first point first. Because ultimately, none of us can see the truth about God and about Christ unless he supernaturally, spiritually reveals it to us. John chapter 3 says that you must be born again, that the Spirit moves as to where he wants to move. And it is through conversion and through faith in Christ that we come to know Jesus. But it is God who is opening our hearts and minds and our eyes to see the truth about him. It is God removing the veil from our hearts. If he doesn't, then we would never understand the true identity and mission of Jesus. Why? Because we know we are dead in our sins. We are, we are confused. What does the Bible say? That we are in the darkness and we do not know the light. And so it is this wonderful truth that God uses Christ through the Holy Spirit, reveals all these things to us. In 2 Corinthians 3, 15, it says, yet still today, Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. They're talking about the Jews. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. There's the work of the Spirit that helps us to see the truth about Jesus. And this is where we see these two disciples. They didn't quite know the real Jesus. They didn't quite, they knew about him. They, they knew all the events of that happened. They had probably even heard him teach and preach and they had watched him, but they didn't quite fully understand what had happened and where he, uh, who he was. Later on in verse 30 and 31, we see that when he reclined at the table and broke the bread, that, that he was revealed to them. As a matter of fact, the verb there says to open, that he would open their eyes. This dionagon is the Greek word there that occurs six times in the book of Luke and Acts. And every time that with a reference, this comes to open means a divine revelation that is tied often, all but two times, to the scriptures. That God opened their eyes through the scriptures to see the truth about Jesus. You see, it is a miraculous event when you are saved by Christ. It is a, a new nature, a new birth, a new way for you to reject sin and turn to a Savior, to re repent from your self-sustaining, self-glorifying ways to honoring and worshiping a Savior. And it is in that miraculous event that through the Holy Spirit that we come to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. And when it does, God opens our eyes to the glory and the goodness and the joy of the Savior. There, Tim Keller tells a story of a, a man that he had led to Christ. This was even before his ministry in New York City. That he, he was sharing Christ with this man. And, and uh, the, the man came to to Christ and he came to Tim and said what you know uh, I'm so excited God has revealed the truth and mercy about him in which I, ways I've never uh, known and he said I, I read uh, he said but I've heard you talk about reading Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians and if you don't know Martin Luther wrote 
a famous commentary on Galatians that talks about grace and, and uh, where we started the kind of the Reformation understanding of grace alone and Christ alone and faith alone. And uh, he said, but Pastor Tim, I read that before and I, don't, I didn't see gospel in any of that commentary. It was, it was nowhere to be seen. Tim said, well, how about now that you are born again and that you've been saved? Why don't you go back and read that again? So that's what he did. He went, and he's the type of guy that uses highlighters and said, that I'm just going to highlight. I'm going to show Pastor Tim that the gospel's not in there. I'm just going to only highlight that when I find the gospel. Well, he brought the book back later, and every single page was highlighted. It showed that he had read it before, but without the power of the Spirit, he would darken to it. So the good news for us is that if we are darkened to the truth, we can pray, we can trust in Christ that he will reveal it to us. But also that Christ has blessed us to have other people to come alongside of us to help us see it. You see, Jesus came alongside these disciples to point them to the truth. And we need the same, not just the Savior revealing it. We need other people. When we went to London, we, we uh, go, uh, we hope every mission team that will go will go on the same walking tour uh, with one of our, our great brothers in Christ, uh, Ben Virgo. And, and one of the things that the, I, I took away from that tour is that if he had not been with us, we would have missed so many things that were right there, that were we're right in front of us, but if we did not have someone walking with us to say, hey, you see down there, we're walking on this ramp. And he said, hey, look over this ramp down there. Do you see those piles of bricks? Yeah, I see those. Those were parts of the wall that the Romans built here in England centuries ago. Now, if it was just me, I would have sit down, looked over the ramp, I would have said, oh, man, they need to clean up. You know, they need to get their act together. These are just, why, why are these bricks just, but, and I would have passed it when I never thought otherwise. We were walking down the street, and there was this, this church that, that was just uh, kind of crumbling and had these green ivies and stuff. It obviously sat there for a long time. And, uh, and I, I would have thought, well, you know, the, I don't know what happened here. This church went out of business. I don't know. I just kept walking down the street. He said, there's where Richard Baxter is buried. Richard Baxter, one of the great Puritans. He said, in here he was buried, but it was bombed in World War II. And this is some amazing place that you need to, to know. I would have never saw it. In the same way, I've had people over my life as we're studying and sitting just across the table say, you know, you know, I was reading my script, the Bible today, and look what, how this connects here. Blown away because somebody spoke truth into my life. See, God has given us the opportunity to both be revealed by his spirit, the truth, but that others come alongside us so that we can see the truth. Secondly, we need mentoring relationship because we need to grow in our understanding of the scriptures. We need a mentoring relationship because we need to grow in our understanding of the scriptures. Well, we see what Cleopas and his friend on the, on the road does. They meet Jesus and Jesus, you know, Jesus is setting a trap there, right? He says, well, what are you guys arguing about? 
the creator of the world, omniscient, doesn't know what's going on there. He, you know, he, he knows what's going on. He said, what are you arguing about? He said, well, so, well, you have not heard about Jesus? You've not heard what's happened these last few, few days? And they go on to tell what happened. But listen to this. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action, and speech before God and all people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to sentence to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Well, here we see that these two followers, even though they were great followers and great disciples, uh, uh, his uh, companion was unnamed. It could be a Cle- uh, Cleopas's wife. It could have been. We don't know who that other person was. But as Jesus came to them, it revealed that they didn't truly understand all of Scripture. And they didn't really truly understand who Jesus was. Listen to that. He was a prophet. He spoke well in front of other people. People listened to him. We thought that he was going to redeem Israel. What was their hope? That he was some wonderful, governing, powerful leader that was going to redeem and restore Israel and free them from the Roman captivity. And unfortunately, the same way that Cleopas and his friend is darkened to the scriptures, many times we are in the dark about the scriptures as well that our misunderstandings of the scriptures. We've talked many times uh, here of how many of us have come to faith in Christ and we've never been put into a disciple-making relationship. That we've been left by the church and by others to just fend for ourselves as Christians, to figure it out on our own. And unfortunately, through apathy and laziness, many of us have been saved by faith and maybe really studied our Bible for a couple of weeks and maybe kind of got the, the highlights of things and then sort of walked away and never came back to understand the scriptures more. But, the, but Jesus, God wants us to understand all of scripture. What the word says about all things of life, about what it says about his son, namely, but of all things, of all joy and of all uh, capabilities that we have as followers of Jesus. And unfortunately, because of this apathy, because of this lack of um, lack of discipling in the church, because of this laziness on our half or on our behalf, that many Christians sitting in pews faithfully going to church, have a Bible literacy problem that we don't know the scriptures. We don't know how to tie things together. We don't understand the goodness of what God has said to us. And so it's vital that we are digging in to learn more about Christ and his grace, the depths of God and his goodness, and we need to know more about God. So we need someone who we have built a relationship with to come alongside of us to help us, number one, to understand the scriptures, but number two, really to become self-feeders of the Bible. That we can sit and learn across the table with someone how they're reading the Bible, so then when we're by ourselves that we can read the Bible, that we can plumb the depths of the scriptures ourselves. Because we know that the Bible is, is... a meaningful and important and sufficient. 2 Timothy 3, 6 
16 through 17, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So brother, sister, do you want to be equipped for every good work that God has for you? Do you want to be equipped so that you may mature in the fullness that God has for you? That the plan and the path that God has for your life? Well, you need to know the scriptures. And if we know that it's sufficient for us, meaning that we don't need extra things, then we need to know the foundation for life. If, we, if the Bible is God's word, then we need it to be complete. Mark Dever says, The Bible certainly doesn't teach us everything, but neither does it teach us nothing. It should be our desire to search out everything that God has revealed about himself and then joyfully accept it, adopt it, explore it, submit ourselves to it, and enjoy God's blessing in it. So, do you have that person or are you that person for someone else that can come alongside them and help them see read and understand the scriptures because number three we need mentoring relationships because we need to see Christ in all of the scriptures verse 27 as Jesus was walking along and heard everything that they said he said how foolish are you and then what did he do in verse 27 from beginning of Moses and the prophets he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all of scripture so what did Jesus do he started in the Pentateuch in the first five books of the Old Testament and went all the way through the end of the Old Testament saying, this is what everyone and everything that God has inspired us to know about me and why I'm the Messiah and how all of it traces through. So you see, the Old Testament is not just a, a something, an optional book for us in class. You know, in seminary, we had like mandatory reading and then optional reading at the bottom. The Old Testament is not in the optional list. It is the light through the stained glass window of the New Testament that helps us understand and see the glory of God of how over thousands of years he has preordained, predestined, and shown in his sovereignty that God is working out the coming of his Messiah for salvation. You see, the, the, the Bible is his story. It's not just history, it is his story. And this must have been the greatest Bible study ever on earth. That Jesus, you know, we've, many of you have been to a Bible study. Maybe it's been on a Wednesday night. Maybe you've been on a Sunday. You know, maybe you've been in a class or a house or somewhere. And you're like, oh, man, that was amazing. He, he brought out the, the scripture so well. Imagine the Messiah walking through the whole scriptures and saying, boom, here it is about me. You see, the Old Testament um, is an absolute confidence in knowing that God's word that says about Jesus and his true identity. And brothers and sisters, we have the whole Bible to reveal to us from Genesis to Revelation that we know that Jesus is who he says he is. The son of God, not just a prophet. God in the flesh 
who came perfectly, who died on the cross, who three days later rose again. And all of this according to God's way and according to God's purpose so that we who repent of our sins and believe will have eternal life and one day gloriously reign with God forever and ever and ever. This is the story. If Jesus would have opened up the scriptures, Jesus would have shown how the ark that Noah built helps to look forward to salvation. How that he himself is better than the law. How he is better than the kings that were over Israel. How he is the son that is sung about in the Psalms. How he is the truest wisdom, better than the uh, Proverbs. How he is the prophets talked about the suffering servant and the redeeming love in the prophets. The whole Bible is his story. It is the story of God redeeming through his son. Now we must know its message. Jesus said this here. The beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted the things concerning himself. Later on, Paul, as he was preaching, it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 2, Paul went to the synagogue and on the three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures. And then there's a, an amazing, um, uh, when we hear about Apollos in the scriptures, uh, we, when we're introduced to Apollos in Acts chapter 18, it says this. It says, now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He had begun instructing in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus although he only knew about John's baptism. He began to speak, uh, boldly speak in the synagogue. Okay, let me just pause there for a second. Apollos came rip-roaring into Ephesus saying, look, has been revealed to me through the scriptures that I know all about, just, just John's baptism revealed this to me, that I've learned from the scriptures that Jesus is Lord. And he was tearing it down, obviously. But then listen to this. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately to him. Now, first of all, we notice the truth and the power of the Spirit of God to save, the scriptures to, uh, the scriptures to disciple, the scriptures to come to the truth about Jesus, that God uses his word to do this. And that to the point that Apollos was, it says, accurately using the scriptures to preach from. But his knowledge wasn't full. Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife, came alongside him and say, Brother, praise God to what he's done in your life. But there's some more to the story that you need to know and you need to hear that's been passed down to us. That we've been discipled to know. That you need to hear. You see, even the great Apollos needed people to come into their lives to understand the scripture even more. The question is, do we know about from the scriptures and how able to speak the truths of God's word to one another? Do you know about Christ yourself? Do you know that he's died for you? Do you know the truth of who God and through Jesus is? Have you trusted in him? In the same way to us as believers, are we understanding that we have the ability to the scriptures first to have people speak truth into our lives but that is being to be carried along to others. Because number four, we need a mentoring relationship because God's word ignites our hearts 
so that may, we may burn with love for him. After Jesus reveals himself to Cleopas and his mate, he said, they turn to one another and they say in verse 32, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Kaeo is the Greek word there, to cause to burn, to kindle, to light. You see, there was a, the first light of scripture, the first fire that began in the first Easter and, and through the, the work of the spirit that has not been quenched yet. The fire that burns for the, the Savior, the, the fire and the love and the passion to follow this Jesus who died on the cross for us. There is a passion that comes from being saved by faith and following Christ. Blaise Pascal, the uh, brilliant French philosopher, uh, said the best word. That was the best word he could describe was fire within. The story goes that John Wesley, a similar description from his conversion in London, as Wesley heard about the change of God, he said this, I felt my heart strangely warmed, and I felt I did trust in Christ alone for salvation. And assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. See, when we are born again, there is this passion, this ignited fire, this burning that happens within us that we want to be passionately followed Jesus. And it is in that constantly going to the word, constantly being poured into others that kindles that warmness, the, the newness of Christ, the, the, the reminder of the gospel, the continuing story of Jesus in our lives, that we read the story of how he, how he created and, and built the world. But instead of shunning the world and their sin, he entered the world and came and took their sin and died for them. We understand that this becomes a burning passion in our lives that we follow him faithfully and then we go to the world to go to the darkness to share that truth with others. You see, it is this constant burning that we are lit from one, just as we do at Christmas time, and we light one candle to the other. That is this candle that burns from one believer to another as we passionately follow Jesus. Friends, people throughout history have burned so bright that they've even been burned alive for the name of Jesus. And how are you passionately following, following Jesus? When we understand that we have a fire to, to pass on, this fire for Jesus and his word, this fire for Jesus and a relationship with him, then we want to pass that on. So we need to understand that we have been called to be discipled and disciple someone else. So let me just ask you this question this morning. Many of us, including myself, would say that I went through a long period of not growing in Christ. But let me ask you this question. How different would your life be if someone had intentionally invested in you? Now, some of you in here could say, that's, that's my story. Someone intentionally invested in me for a while for me to understand and follow Jesus. But just think right now, knowing your walk with Jesus, how would it have been different if someone 
had intentionally walked with you to follow Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. How different would the lives of our church be if we got serious and passionate about the things that Jesus was passionate about, which is making disciples? What would our activities be centered around? What would our time be spent in? What would be the relationship built? What would be the fruit that would happen if we were passionate about making disciples? That is why this year we're going to spend a lot of time helping to train, equip, and put together a way for disciples to be disciplers of others. Is in this next one in 2021 that we in, talked about last week. This next one in 2021 where we're challenging each other to, yes, we want to magnify. We want to invite people to church. We want to, uh, we want to build relationships with others. We want to be in a life group. We want to be sharing the gospel with our next person. Who is the next person that God has given us that we should be sharing the gospel about? But but we also want to say, who is that next one relationship that God is set up for you to disciple? Who are you pouring into? Who is it that you, God is calling you, maybe even to sit under, so that you may turn and go disciple someone else? You see, we need to have other people in our lives to mentor us as believers in Jesus Christ. Today, our prayer is that we will commit to be mentored and to mentor others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning for this example of Christ, but the truth that we must not live life alone. And so, Lord, I pray that as you grow us and mold us, that you would help us see the necessity of these disciple-making relationships. Maybe it's a challenge for someone here to grow in their understanding of God's word. Maybe it's a challenge for someone here to come to faith and put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that if there is someone here that feels far away from Christ, that they would call out to God and ask him to ignite that flame in their heart, that they would repent of their sins and trust in Christ. God, I pray for us as believers to be challenged once again to not just be someone asking to be filled, but that we're willing to give away and to pour into the lives of others. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.